Hey guys, welcome to Music on Repeat, a podcast where I talk to people about the songs that impacted their taste in music. You can find me on iTunes and Stitcher under the name Music on Repeat. I'm your host, Susie Q. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode eight of Music on Repeat, and we have a very special guest today. I know I say that about every guest, but this is an extra special guest because this is my first guest that's an actual musician. <laughs> um, so please join me in welcoming Monsieur Schwill. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so Monsieur Schwill, also known as Louis, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, uh, hello, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my name is Louis aka Monsieur Schwill. I'm a French uh, producer and composer, originally from Paris, and I've been living in Barcelona for the past, I believe, eight years now already. Wow. Time flies. Time flies when you're living in the sunshine. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And so we actually used to work together. Yes. And you decided to up and quit your job and pursue your your career in music, which I think <laughs> is completely amazing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a natural uh, next step for me and uh, giving myself some uh, some time, you know, to uh, to produce more music and uh, and grow as an artist as well as a, as a composer for other persons. So far, I love it. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to go into a little bit more detail about that later. But first, let's just start off right away and get into your first song. So I'm going to play that now. Okay, Louis, so tell us, what song was that? So it's uh, What's Going On by Donny Hathaway. It's a cover of uh, Marvin Gaye. Yep. So it's a live version. It was uh, recorded in the early 70s mm -hmm. in New York City in a small club. And the reason I picked this song is it reminds me of uh, the first time I listened to it. It was really uh, maybe 15 years ago or so. So the first time you listened to this live recording. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I knew the the original one from Marvin Gaye, but yeah. the, the second I played this track, I was like completely uh, transported. And in fact, I felt like I was in hibernation for a while in terms of listening to music and okay. feeling emotions and all that stuff because mm -hmm. I have a very, or maybe I train to have a very analytical uh, mm -hmm. way of listening to music. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, the guitar does that, the bass does that, here's the drums, whatever, you know. And I played this song and it was kind of a wake-up call, like from the first notes of this track. I think it's the first track of the album, actually. And there's just everything in this song. Like, you can feel the atmosphere of the, yeah. of the room, of the club. Yeah. People shouting in the audience, like, you know, just saying out loud whatever comes to their minds. Yeah. 
you can tell it's not a big club. You really almost feel like the musicians are sitting. The stage is just, just one meter you. from your knees, yeah. you know, and uh, you're sitting there having having a drink and so on. And I love the interpretation. In mm -hmm. fact, when I listen to Marvin Gaye original version, yeah. it feels so cold. I mean, so cold compared yeah, to this one. It's very produced. It's yeah. very political mm -hmm. as well, like yeah. like the lyrics and, yeah, and all course. that. Yeah. Whereas this one, it instantly puts you in that <laughs> very moment in a position where I'm just enjoying it, you know, yeah. and feeling. The, the interpreter's emotion and so yeah. at that time I was a big fan of Stevie Wonder right yeah but not so much because of the tracks and the way it's produced and in fact this maybe one of the part I dislike the most about but him is the production right and and he's of Stevie Wonder yeah like he's a, the aesthetics of the of the scenes mm -hmm. and all that but his voice is so amazing, yeah, it's amazing. and the way he interprets and so on But yeah, so, so I love Sea Wonder for that single reason. And I found in Donia Attaway a soul, you know, the, the way he interprets, the way he sings, yeah. very raw energy mm -hmm. and very sincere and very soft yeah. way of interpreting things. And I love it. And you can feel like all the musicians are standing there, you know, behind him and uh, just enjoying the moment, yeah. you know. And, and I said it was a wake up call because listening to music is not so much about analyzing, understanding, or trying to figure out how it's made mm -hmm. and, and whatnot and i think i was overtrained of that yeah and maybe i took bad habits yeah i listen to this track and instantly i'm, I'm in the emotion and still today i mean yeah. it's, it's amazing that's this magic about this track and in fact the whole uh, the whole album is like that yeah like you can feel the the resonance of the room how the audience interacts with the musicians yeah. i remember i uh, at that time i was going in uh, jam sessions in paris like in oh, small cool. caves and stuff very, very small cool. venues yeah and you had a little bit this this kind of feeling you know where where the musicians in front of you were almost in danger because they were so much exposed and they were so little, you yeah. know, the, the stage is small. Oh, yeah. It's they like have you're up there completely yeah, naked exactly. almost. And you're, yeah, exactly. You're just sitting there and you know, you're, you're with them. And uh, I felt exactly that with, that with that track. That's amazing. So this is a first for, for the podcast because I haven't had anyone come on with a, with a live version of a track. And, and so you said that you have, um, maybe that you were overtrained a little bit when it comes to recognizing sounds and things like that. So what is your training? I mean, you're doing something now, but what, what was your training before? So um, I started, you know, playing guitar when I was 12 or so. Oh, wow. But yeah, I never really took classes. Mm -hmm. My brother trained me a lot. Older brother. Yeah, 12 years older than me. And he oh, was wow. a pretty good guitarist and still is. And yeah, I guess as a self-taught musician, you know, it was kind of my uh, my own way of teaching myself. Yeah, you know, just, just to get really granular with Without it. knowing really mm -hmm. because... I would listen to, uh, I remember I was listening to Queen when I was uh, a teenager yeah. and uh, I was listening to, uh, to Nirvana, of course, Alice in Chains and many other things, yeah. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. But I was interested, I think, like how, how does this all work? And I remember I had this four, uh, four track tape recorder mm -hmm. and I didn't know, I mean, I could only play guitar, right? So I would play one a guitar track and then uh, another track, but I would uh, octave it down. So it sounds like a bass kind oh, of thing. Wow. <laughs> And then use a multi-effect and do some crazy experimental yeah. stuff. So you were creating a one-man band. Yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I still am, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that, that was, and I was really interested in understanding, you know, how, how the music is structured, how a song is structured, mm -hmm. how a specific sound is created. Um, not so much in the, in the storytelling of the song, but more the, the production of it. Okay, cool. And which is why you're going into production now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And, I, and I'm saying that today, looking back, but at the time, I, I, I was not aware of that at all. 
And I think I trained my ear year after year. Yeah. And also, you know, I've uh, trained my uh, musical taste, you know, mm -hmm. listening to all this kind of music. And Donia Tawai is one of them, you know, this kind of interpret artist that make you look at things with a totally new perspective. Yeah, different angle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Based on the emotion and the way that he's singing it and delivering. Exactly. That's really cool. And so do you remember where you were then when you when you heard this song, when you first? Yes, uh, it's pretty embarrassing, actually. <laughs> I was a student and I was living in Grenoble in this small, maybe five square meter room, five like apartment, in fact. Five, five square meter apartment? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was an uh, apartment room or room apartment. Wow. I, don't know how to say I mean, that. This, I thought my apartment was small. It's 33 square meters, but yours is about six times smaller than that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't see how that's possible. Yeah, I made the, the dishwashing in the, in the, in the bathroom. <laughs> No, it was it was fun, but uh, yeah, it was this room, and I, I stayed there only for six months. And I've, uh, in fact, I've bought the album without knowing it, and someone uh, recommended it to me, someone who knew my musical tastes. And so I, I buy it, I go back home, I play it, mm -hmm. and I remember exactly where I was sitting. And it's amazing how music yeah. transports yeah, you. Yeah, oh, it that, really does. This feeling, and yeah, and I, I think I listened to the whole uh, the whole album yeah. uh, in a row. And you go back to it now and you still listen to it now? Or Yeah, in fact, yeah. I bought uh, the vinyl version. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, one, uh, it's one of those records, you know, where uh, I'm a big fan of Spotify and, yeah. and so on. But it's one of those records where you really want to put it and, and listen to it as if you were smoking a cigar. You know, you want yeah. to take the moment, you sit in your couch, you put it, you, you put the needle, you yeah. start. You wait for the end of, uh, you know, the A side. Yeah, yeah. You flip it. it yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> it's a... It's an experience a little bit. Yeah. Plus, it's a live recording. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole... Uh, it's important to listen to the tracks in order because there's a... Uh, the energy of the room and yeah. the energy of the of the set list itself changes, yeah. changes and grows and you can feel the audience is getting more and more involved and in fact there's a song i think it's called uh, you've got a friend yeah it's a gospel song and the the, the cover is is amazing and at some point you know he uh, he drops singing the chorus yeah and the audience sings it but in a way i mean the first time i listened to it mm -hmm. i thought are those is this, is this a chore or something or like are those only after i realized it was the audience singing oh, like wow. Like in tune, you know, really sharp. Yeah. And uh, no, just amazing. It's a really amazing good audience. Yeah. <laughs> so this album itself, is it only covers then? This live set, was it only covers or does it have some of his originals? No, so I think there's uh, two covers. There's, there's this one mm -hmm. and the other one is Jealous Guy mm -hmm. from uh, John Lennon, I think it is. Okay. And no, the rest are uh, all uh, original, uh, you know, okay. tracks from uh, Donny Hathaway, okay. including The Ghetto, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and other ones. So are you a Donny Hathaway fan aside from this song then? Do you like all the rest of his yeah. his music, his albums, his, his recordings, non-live recordings? Yes, I do. Um, the thing is I've listened to that album, the live recording, mm -hmm. like over and over and over yeah. again, almost for years. And only after uh, after two or three years, I started to buy the, the other albums, which are great, but they don't have this feeling. Of course, yeah. you know, they are somehow produced in the way soul records were uh, mm -hmm. were recorded at the time uh, and it's fine i mean you still feel the soul of donny hathaway yeah and you know this blend of uh, gospel music soul a uh, bit jazzy on yeah. the edges yeah and and a bit pop yeah. i should say <laughs> but good pop yeah and um, yeah it's i mean everything he did was was amazing yeah. and i think that there Recently, like in the past 10 years, there were some uh, re-editions of his life mm -hmm. with a lot of, uh, you know, unreleased uh, tracks and all uh, that. Yeah. 
And to me, Donny Hathaway is one of the most uh, underrated soul artists, like from from mm -hmm. these years. I mean, he died very young. Yeah, that's just, that's a shame that <sighs> he kind of died before his yeah. you know his time. He was in his in his heyday when he did pass away. So who knows what what more exactly. could have come from him? Exactly. I mean, Marvin Gaye as well. He died quite young, yeah. but he did have a big success. Stevie Wonder as well, and, mm -hmm. and many others. And this one, I mean, the the emotion I felt the first time I, I I've listened to him is just amazing, and mm -hmm. I. Can't believe you know very few people around me know this artist because he didn't have like he he never went mainstream really yeah which is good <laughs> but at the, at the same time you know I've every time I get a chance I try to make other people disco yeah. discover this artist yeah. because he's it's uh, just just amazing yeah so how did this influence your project of Monsieur Schwill and I apologize <laughs> for my really <laughs> bad <Monsieur>. French <laughs> it's okay it's Monsieur Schwill actually. For the record. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, French Canada as well. <laughs> you did not teach me well. <laughs> so um, how did it influence? Well, I think it was, it was a shift in my musical life, really. Like, since then, like, the way I listen to record is completely different. And maybe the, the way I'm looking to discover new record is also different. Mm -hmm. So when did you start the, the project So Monsieur Schwill is a fairly recent project. Mm -hmm. It's from, uh, I started it in 2015. Okay. But it's basically started like non-publicly almost 10 years before that because I had all these mm -hmm. tracks you, on, sitting on my computer. And you had never yeah. shared them or anything. Yeah, semi-polished, you know, semi-finished, but still, you know, they were they were there. And Monsieur Schwill, the start of Monsieur Schwill was, was just that, like the, the desire, you know, to share some of the mm -hmm. tracks to my close circles. Mm hmm No, my family, my friends, and just put a name on that and yeah. uh, do things properly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, one thing led to another and I produced more music and I released it on Spotify and I started to make uh, concerts and, yeah. uh, and all that. But yeah, that was that was the start of, of the project, like yeah. sharing my music. So how would you describe, because I've, I've been all morning listening a little <laughs> bit to it. Um, how would you describe the style, the genre? Because I wouldn't really know how to, I mean, I really yeah. like it. It's really, really interesting, unique, but I don't know how to describe it. Very, uh, it's a very tough question. Every artist would say that, I guess, but I still don't know what to answer to that question. I can tell you my influence. Experiences. Yeah, I can tell you the kind of genres it's it's neighboring, but it's somewhere between uh, trip hop, mm -hmm. down tempo music, mm -hmm. hip hop. Yeah, yeah, you do have a lot of hip hop samples in there. I do. Yeah, and somehow pop, but pop is a very broad word, yeah. electro pop. Yeah, basically my music consists of uh, sampling and arranging things. In a... most of my music is built on hip hop foundations, at least rhythmic foundations. Okay. But then the way I, I arrange it and the samples I, I choose and the, the whole vibe or the general vibe I give to my music is, I would say, very soft. So it's a soft hip-hop kind of thing. Okay. That's why I call it down-tempo. It's rather slow tempos, yeah. around the 80, 90 BPMs, mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's very atmospheric. I use a lot yeah. of uh, movie dialogues in my yeah, music yeah, as well. Yeah, as well. Where do you find those? I mean, a great majority of the dialogues I have in my mm -hmm. tracks are from, uh, you know, those short movies from Alfred? Hitchcock uh -huh. from the 40s there's a lot of drama to them like yeah. in those situations almost caricatural way of mm -hmm. acting yeah and I love that I, I, I love two things I love the way they act yeah which is a bit exaggerated uh, over dramatic a little bit yeah. exactly the situations of course there's a, there's a point of drama or fear or suspicion and I love the way mm -hmm. Uh, you know that they, they play those situations and the other thing is the grain of the of the um, the specific sound 
of that time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of, you know, mid, uh, mid frequencies and mm-hmm. uh, it just works very well with the music. And in fact, I process the sound uh, very little. The way I do it is usually I've, I select uh, like a, a scene or, or various scenes. I sample them. So I record them in my sampler. Yeah. And then I chop them up. So I cut them into small pieces and I, I rearrange the dialogues in a musical way. Yeah. So do you start with the idea behind the, the music first or do you use the dialogue as an inspiration to where, the, where you want the song to go? Uh, it depends on the track. Yeah. But uh, more often than not, it's a very iterative creation process. Yeah. So I start with a musical idea rather or a rhythmic idea. Mm-hmm. And then I layer things on top. And then those things that I layer on, eventually, you know, it turns into some uh, some entities that calls for more or calls for something different. And then, for example, I start with a with a beat like uh, drums, mm-hmm. then the bass and the synth, and maybe I will play a riff of guitar or whatever. And that specific riff of guitar maybe calls for a different beat. So then I change those original layers mm-hmm. from beneath and uh, the whole song morphs into something different than the original idea. Okay. And usually the dialogue come uh, at the end. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But it depends. it depends. Yes. So do you play the, the guitar on your... Yes. Do you play the other instruments or just the guitar? So I play a uh, guitar, bass, and a bit of uh, keyboards. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you do that for all your tracks? Most of them, Most yes. Of it. Yes. Okay, awesome. That's really <laughs> interesting, Louis. I mean, Monsieur Schwill. <laughs> okay, and so you, you are on Spotify. Yes. And I did notice you do have your own live version on there. I do. Yeah. So you you have three. Are they albums? Are they EPs? Or? So yeah, EPs. Yeah. Like six six yeah. tracks or six seven tracks mm-hmm. albums. So I guess we should call them EPs. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have three EPs on Spotify. Yeah. And your live recording. So you played at a festival this summer. Right? Absolutely. Is it in Budapest? Uh, it was uh, near Praga in oh, the Czech okay. Republic. Okay, I'm totally off there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that far. Yeah, and how was that? That was your first experience um, in a festival, is that right? Yes. And how did that go? It went very well. Yeah. Yes. So it was interesting because it, it's a festival, it's called Cool of Plote. I don't know if I pronounce it well for the Czech people out there. <laughs> But anyways, it's what's interesting. It's uh, the festival is specialized, so to speak, into um, solo artists, so oh, artists cool. who are alone oh, on stage, wow. which suits me very well. And uh, <laughs> the interesting part is, uh, I mean, the performance itself was amazing. The whole setup and the audience yeah. and uh, and the, the city. It was a small city near yeah. near Praga. Everything was very uh, very chill, you know, very friendly. And, yeah. and but I got to know uh, many solo artists just like me, ranging from uh, you know folk music, people playing with loopers, and mm-hmm. uh, for example, a, a cello musician from Vienna. So she performs on uh, with a cello and and she sings. She used the looper and so on. So it, it was really interesting for me to see all those, how creative people yeah. get when they're yeah, alone on yeah. stage because you get, this is what you are, right? So you, yeah. so you need to use the technology for your own benefit and for the benefit of the performance. Yeah. It was really interesting and also to share experiences on the, the oh, life yeah. of an artist on the road, but not alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that must be very different. It is. Uh, yeah. It was interesting. Really interesting. Awesome. Well, I hope to see you in uh, Primavera next summer. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> if you have contacts, let yeah. me know. <laughs> um, so speaking of artists that like to loop, maybe we should go into the next yes. song and uh, see what that is and where that goes. 
Okay, Louis, tell us tell us what that was about. So this is Little Wing by uh, Jimi Hendrix. The one and only. Yes. So why I chose this song? I mean, it's um, many reasons. I mean, this is, uh, you know, getting back maybe 20 years ago. Uh, okay. And uh, it was a song. I mean, first, I, I, I love this song. I mean, mm -hmm. I love everything about it, like the storytelling. I think it's very poetic. I think it's... Uh, It's very soft, mm -hmm. but energetic at the same time. I love her, the way he sings on that song. It's one of those very iconic songs. You hear the first, yeah. the first note mm -hmm. and first three notes. And it's exactly. not even a note. Yeah. That's king yeah. dong. And it's probably one of those, as a young guitarist that I was, and I was joining this, uh, this band in Paris, this cover band. Mm -hmm. I was maybe 15 or 16. Oh, wow. It's one of the songs I've, I've worked the most on. Like I, I had to learn this, uh, oh, really? this part of the guitar. It. Yeah. Oh, okay. So your band covered this song. Yeah, and in fact, my first... So, so I joined the band, and the band existed for maybe two or three years, mm -hmm. or even more before, and before how, I joined. How and old were you, were you around I think time? I was 15 okay. or 16, and, and I remember maybe a, a month after that, mm -hmm. a month after I joined the band, we had this concert in this small, mid-sized venue in Paris mm -hmm. called Le Gibus, and uh, I was very uh, intimidated by the idea of getting on stage. I'm a shy person, and uh, mm -hmm. I was even more at the time, and I had to learn this song, and it was a mix of... Uh, I mean, it's an amazing memory, because I remember I'm not a solo guitarist, I'm rather a rhythmic guitarist, mm -hmm. and I was at the time, but this was a single song where I had, like, protagonism on stage, which I, I wasn't really looking for, you know, mm -hmm. like, in the forefront, yeah. but <laughs> just the way it was, so... And I had to perform this intro uh, in front of, mm. uh, of the audience. And it, it felt really weird, you know. Yeah. It was a mix of emotion of, of shame and pride yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> uh, shame of uh, not being Jimi Hendrix <laughs> and being just this young guy on yeah. stage and, uh, and playing it semi-well. <laughs> and, uh, and very proud, you know, to uh, play with a band. Yeah. I was 16, and you know. To be up and there. Yeah. The venue was, it was kind of a tremplin, you know, how do you say that? Like uh, a tremplin is those, those concerts where, you know, young bands come and they, they get a chance, you know, to, to compete. Okay. And eventually, you know, as a finalist, you get some publicity or whatever. And yeah, I remember, you know, uh, training in my room, you know, and those the game, don't And, yeah. <laughs> and so on and all this this solo it's not really a solo it's uh, very jazzy the way it's and, yeah. and that's the second reason why I picked this song is the way it's uh, it's structure and mm -hmm. the way it evolves it, it ranges from very jazzy like the way it's played in the, the intro and everything mm -hmm. with a lot of slides and stuff and very yeah. soulful uh, chords and then it goes as soon as the drum mm -hmm. kicks in and the voice it sounds very bluesy all of a sudden yeah And then uh, I think by um, towards the end of the song, when there's the guitar solo, mm -hmm. which luckily I didn't have to play on stage, there was the <laughs> second guitarist took okay. care of that. <laughs> it sounds very rock and roll, right? Mm -hmm. And I love it. It's very narrative, this song. It's uh, very poetic. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Jimi Hendrix myself and his, his guitar playing and his style. And So how did this inspire you? What did this song teach you, learning the song, mm. about, you know, listening to those different sounds? And I think the, the single thing I, I got out of this song as an interpreter or a guitarist is uh, being accurate. Okay. You can't play Little Wing if you're just 
approximating things or, or you can rearrange it and as if you play voodoo child or i don't know the solo from uh, stairways to heaven or yeah who knows what you know those are very iconic songs yeah, and you, you, have to you get just it right. can't or you completely you know revamp them or you you play by uh, by the book by the book yeah And so, um, especially as a young guitarist who have not much uh, faith in himself in terms of playing and yeah. all that. So <laughs> I remember having this uh, guitar book and, uh, you know, looking note by note and playing the record mm -hmm. over and over again just to get it right. If I had to play it today, it would sound really shit. You think? That's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. because you, were, you spent like day in and day out practicing this at the yeah, time. Yeah, but it, it, it was a good... It's, It still is. I mean, when I listen to this music, it's just the perfection, you know? Yeah. And you want to gear towards this, this perfection as an interpreter and as mm -hmm. an artist in general. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just one of those models, you know, that, yeah. that I have. So you're a perfectionist when it comes to music then, to creating and making music? As an interpreter, I think I am. As a composer, it's slightly different. I, I let myself inspire and uh, I create space to, to do mistakes because mistakes are beautiful mm -hmm. and randomness as well, especially in music. Mm -hmm. And I fight against uh, my perfectionism because sometimes it paralyzes you as a, yeah. as a composer because you well i think in anything really i mean you have to get to a, a point where you either decide this is it this is what it's going to be or you drive yourself crazy absolutely you need to decide what is good enough mm -hmm. uh, i'm not saying for a song as a whole but for maybe a specific part yeah. or a specific yeah. verse and then move on You know, you move on and good things will come uh, afterwards. Yeah. And then maybe you can come back to that part where you, you try to excel, but you will have completely different mindset. Yeah. Because it's maybe it's uh, three days later. Mm -hmm. Maybe you did a, a bit of mixing in the meantime. Maybe uh, you had another idea for the baseline or whatever mm -hmm. else, you know. And, and perfection is, is a concept to me that's very relative. Mm -hmm. Like at a specific moment in time, this is your vision of perfection. But when you build up a song, You're trying to achieve a specific narrative, a specific mm -hmm. feeling. And there are so many ways to get there. So that's why I'm fighting against my tendency to... Uh, Maybe overanalyze or... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Just let myself uh, go into, into different musical streams and yeah. then eventually things will converge into something more musical. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in terms of guitar playing, Jimi Hendrix is, uh, requires a lot of uh, perfectionism. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> You talk now a little bit about your um, the difference between you know as, you as an interpreter and you as a composer. So now you're you've started this course. Yes. Um, at the hold on, I have it written down here. <laughs> it's at the Escuela de Música de Catalunya, and it's the composition of soundtracks and music for audiovisual media. Yes. Which is a very long and complicated <laughs> <laughs> course name. But um, tell us a little bit about that and, and where you see yourself going with that and, and what it's like. The reason I'm there is uh, is very very funny because I started composing last year, like for some theater projects here locally. Yeah, here in Barcelona. Uh, so I did a, a couple of uh, theater projects, mm -hmm. and then uh, I composed for a choreographer in a contemporary dance. And so I did that. I really liked it, and um, and I remember. Uh, I mean, one day I, I have this. I have coffee with a friend, and I I was looking for inspiration, and specifically, I was wondering if there was some music tech conferences in Barcelona mm -hmm. or some chats around mm -hmm. music that I could uh, attend or whatever, just to meet people and get inspired. And he says, uh, I don't know any of that, but uh, look at the website of SMUC, so that's uh, conservatory school. Maybe they have some master classes or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so I go and I found, by coincidence, a bit like this composition for, uh, you know, soundtrack yeah. for cinema, theater, yeah. and dance. I look at the, the content of the master mm -hmm. and I say, shit, this is exactly this is exactly yeah. what I want. <laughs> and they required some uh, professional degree in music or mm -hmm. something that I don't have, yeah. obviously. And so I remember uh, I contact some ex-alumni and then mm -hmm. I, uh, I contact like the one of the coordinator of the master and ju just to get a feel whether if I'm self-taught, yeah. if it's still okay to try and apply to the yeah. master because I don't have any music education. And so one thing led to another and uh, I sent some of my uh, some of my recordings and all that and uh, here I am and here you are and so far so good I guess it just started right a couple weeks yeah. ago so a month ago I guess and it's I, what I love about it is uh, it's very uh, it's very eclectic the, the master I mean it's a school for classical music for mm -hmm. orchestral music oh wow so I'm surrounded with classi very formally classical music. taught yeah, yeah very formally Musicians. taught mm -hmm. uh, ranging from clarinet piano harp uh, wow. players yeah uh, you name it so I love it. You know, you, you walk in the corridors and you, you hear this cacophonia. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. And it's uh, and so on. And I, I got back to reading pentagrams on a musical score, which I'm very slow at, mm -hmm. <laughs> at reading and writing. But I love it. It's a new way of approaching music mm -hmm. and specifically analyzing uh, image to, uh, to compose music. And it's super interesting. I mean, most of the teachers are uh, music film composers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole new uh, way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm getting back to studies yeah. 15 years yeah. after I, <laughs> That's, yeah. I finished my That's half my the challenge studies. right yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting in a room, listening to a teacher, taking notes. Uh, I love it. And so where do you see yourself going with this? Or for you, what's the ideal? Where would you want to be at the end of this course or two years maybe, two years down the line in your career as a music composer? It's a great question. I mean, I've, I let myself drift a little bit with this. You know, I take all these great inspiration and mm -hmm. uh, developing myself as an artist, as a, you know, as a live performer mm -hmm. and uh, as a composer for myself. I would love to compose more for other artists as mm -hmm. well. Maybe eventually down the road, you know, compose for uh, some, uh, you know, short movie or mm -hmm. full length movie. Yeah. Video game, maybe theater, maybe. So anyway, uh, there's no I have limit. so many desires. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all a question of, uh, you know, getting involved with the, with the people mm -hmm. and working hard. And then, uh, you know, I let the opportunities uh, happen. I don't have a preconceived idea of where I want to be in, yeah. in 10 years. I just want to make music for a living. I'm not looking for notoriety or anything like yeah. that. I really liked my experience, though, composing for uh, contemporary dance mm -hmm. okay. and theater. I, oh, wow. I really enjoyed it. Like the collaboration yeah. with, the, you know, with the choreographer and yeah. all that. It's, it's a very interesting work. But who knows where uh, this will lead me. Well, I'm very excited to find out, Louis. I think you're very talented, and I can't wait to see what comes next. From I guess still go by Louis as your um, <laughs> your official composer name, probably. <laughs> well, thank you, Susie. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. And if you want to check out Louis on, he's on Spotify under Monsieur Schwill. <laughs> and SoundCloud, or maybe we should spell that for the for the people. No, <laughs> yeah, <it's>... go ahead. <laughs> M-O-N-S-I-E-U-R space S-H-W-I-L-L. And just out of curiosity, does Schwill mean anything? <laughs> so Schwill is one of my surnames. Oh, what? Yeah. So it's actually uh, uh, Louis, so my, or my, yeah. my name. Uh, when you flip it, it's, mm. it goes by Swill, Seoul. Okay. 
Or in fact, the, the band members from uh, that little wing thing. Yeah. Uh, they called me Shwil at the time. Oh, really? Because so the, it's just a reverse of your first name. It's it's a reverse of uh, Luis. Ah, okay. And so I picked it. Okay. Uh, because I find it, you know, uh, evocative that it's the reverse side of me, like the other side oh, of the yes. of the mirror kind of thing. Oh yeah, very deep, very deep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, check him out on Spotify. I'll put a link as well in my in my blog post for this podcast. And I'll leave you guys with a little sample of uh, Monsieur Schwill. Thank uh, you, Susie. Thank you, and uh, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Let's run away someplace. We'll start life when you would have passed no, but it doesn't matter.